93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. This city is my city, and I love it, yeah, I love it. I was born in Macy, I got it made and if I have got a way, I'm gonna stay here. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Glad you are joining us this weekend. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family uh, and that you have recovered from the turkey hangover. Uh, we've got a great show planned for you this weekend. Uh, we are visiting uh, with someone who I love having on this program because uh, this is the one person who follows Columbia so closely that knows just about everything that's happening in Columbia and a, a great resource for his here at the Eagle and uh uh, at the magazines, and Mike Murphy is a publisher of Como Buzz. Uh, Mike, great to have you with us. Good morning. Good to be here. Uh, you have been very, very busy, and uh, you've uh, covered a lot of things. Um, would you mind telling people, just to give them a quick reminder for those um, of our listeners who have not yet discovered Como Buzz, it's C-O-M-O dot B-U-Z. Um, uh, no, is it C-O-M-O-B-U-Z dot com? Yep. Okay, I gave you the wrong address there. C-O-M-O-B-U-Z, one Z. Dot com. Uh, tell folks a little bit about your background and what Como Buzz is. I'm a career newspaper guy, 40 years, almost made 40 years, mm-hmm. unless, unless you consider me still in it. I kind of think of myself still in it. I ended up as an executive with Gannett, landed in Columbia about in 2016. To uh, I took over running the uh, printing and packaging plant that uh, Gannett bought from, from the Waters family down between fourth and fifth streets mm-hmm. off ash down there and uh as the business deteriorated we we uh consolidated uh, all the papers in the four or five surrounding states i had the opportunity to take an early retirement and uh, jumped on it and been gone out of there now about it'll be two years this december actually wow as i was planning my departure i developed the idea for como buzz because i decided we we're going to stay in columbia mm-hmm. and uh long before i was running a production facility and newspapers i was a reporter and an editor and a writer yeah and a good one back in the day uh-huh. right so <laughs> you still are <laughs> yeah i wanted to, i wanted to go back to it so i uh, i launched and i thought columbia would be an excellent place to do it yeah there's it's becoming somewhat of a news desert you know yeah. there's not too much quality news being generated not a lot of journalism being done which is surprising to folks but you know happens to be true so it's but but there's a ton of stuff going on yeah there's a ton of news to, to write about so uh so I launched Como Buzz. It's a you pay a subscription, you pay ten bucks a month or hundred bucks a year to uh get full access to it. And I cover government and politics and elections along with uh some culture which is live music, uh restaurant business, uh bar business, brewery, stuff like that. Yeah. But, but our bread and butter, the thing that draws people, brings it in, is uh our cover our cover my coverage basically of Government election yeah, politics, local government, and uh, uh, sometimes, especially when it comes to the county commission, uh, you may be the only person in the audience, and uh, uh, those meetings are still not telecast, and so uh, citizens can participate in the city council meetings, but uh, often there times the people that are there uh, have an axe to grind or have some special interest that they're promoting, and and uh, you're sort of the one objective citizen sitting in that audience uh, uh, reporting uh, what's happening, so the rest of us. Uh, have some idea. I'm, I'm amazed. Uh, I was at an event last night. You know, I walk up to people and I say, wow, you know, 
can you believe this and this is happening? And and they'll they'll look at me and they'll say, tell me what's going on. I I don't I don't read the newspapers anymore. And uh, and you know it's and I think that people made the decision not to read the newspapers because there's there's that value proposition and it's not necessarily a money value proposition. It's a time value proposition. Am I going to spend my time looking at something? That really, there's not much in there for me, you know? No, but what's in there is pretty poor quality now. It yep. doesn't tell you much. So where I'm going with Como Buzz along those lines is I keep it updated as often as I can uh, daily, certainly several times a week, and I have a email sign-up uh, function to try to make it helpful for people. So you sign up for this weekly update, and on Saturday morning at 6 o'clock in your email box, you get a, a link, and it's got the most current stories, and it's a real easy way to keep up. Yeah. And I think that's working pretty good. I'm hoping that, well, I can tell you for sure, as, as you know, I need a lot more people to know that um, Como Buzz will keep you up to date with what's going on in local yeah. government and yeah. politics. Um, I got to get a lot peop- more people to know about it. That's yeah. my challenge right now. It's really, there's been a, a, a significant movement across the country to have um, uh, a, what I would call crowd-sponsored journalism, but it's... it's uh, you know, it's it's um, sponsored journalism. It's community to keep local media in your community. Uh, they're asking people to make a donation. A lot of daily newspapers say, "Hey, uh, I, I noticed that the Missourian does it, and I noticed that uh, um, you know the public radio stations have been doing it for years. You know, please help us survive by making a pledge uh, to do this." And and there's so much value that I get out of Como Buzz, and and you know, I I sort of feel like you know, I I read both newspapers every day. I um, watch. The 5.30 news, which even though it makes me very depressed and angry, uh, I watch the local news. Uh, but there's always something in Como Buzz that I've not heard of. And so it's it's been a very valuable resource for me. Thanks. I appreciate it. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. Um, the newspapers, based on you know the talent that they have available nowadays, are very pretty superficial. Mm-hmm. That sounds more judgmental than I meant it to be. It's just they are what they are. Yeah. The Missourian, Well, anyway, they are what they can afford to be. Yeah, and the Tribune's about done. Yeah. So there's not much left there at all. In fact, I'm still surprised that they are, uh, they are alive. But there's a lot of news out there if you know how to go write a story and report a story. Uh, there, there are some really interesting things happening in local government and in local politics and elections. And um, right now, uh, after a year of building up Como Buzz, it, as you know, if there's a lot, there's a lot there. You're, yeah. you, you know, I, I don't feel bad anymore. You know, asking somebody for ten bucks a month or a hundred bucks yeah. a year, there, there's there's plenty there. And, yeah, and, and we'll continue to do that. Yeah, and you're working very hard, and and uh, you you got to be compensated just to to keep the lights on. So, um, the the big story of the week is something that happened uh, a Monday night city council meeting, and. Uh, you know, I, I would guess that a lot of our listeners really don't know the whole story behind this, but there was, you know, there was some discussion about a system called Fusus, uh, which um, was a surveillance platform. Uh, tell folks a little bit about what Fusus was set up to do. In its simplest form, it's a piece of software that links already existing surveillance cameras that, that are, in this case, in businesses. Now, there's two ways to talk about it what Fusus can do, which it's enormously powerful. And there are these types of platforms out there that are very, very powerful. And then there's what Columbia intended to do with it, which has led to some of the controversy. But what Columbia set out to do, so if there's a crime committed, one of the first things officers do is they canvass the area for cameras, security mm-hmm. cameras, private security cameras on businesses. It takes them many, many hours, if not days, if not weeks, to get what they need. they got to go find the business owner, then perhaps the IT person, and get access and get a reader that will read the 
the uh, video. Mm-hmm. What Fusis does is it's software that links that all together in real time so that they can see uh, a, a wide area or any area wherever there's security cameras, which nowadays is pretty much anywhere. Yeah. So this was, I think it started in the downtown area. Um, there was a lot of support. The uh, downtown CID was bringing it up, and uh, this started back in the spring. And in the meantime, uh, everybody jumped on board, and it was uh, endorsed by uh, MU Police has endorsed it. Uh, uh, Moon Choi has endorsed it. Uh, the downtown CID, uh, the mall, the school. Brian Yearwood was at the meeting, um, the superintendent uh, endorsing it. Uh, the NAACP uh, endorsed it. Wow. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce was there endorsing it. It just... Uh, there's uh, pretty much anybody you can think of was endorsing it, but there came this, like a revolution happened, yeah, and yeah. Uh, 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 the people rose up against it for privacy issues and for just, you know, dislike the police and their business issues, and just, it's hard to really explain. I'm still thinking this, through what happened. Yeah, you know, this argument goes, goes back to... Um Many years ago, the, the principal of Battle High School, a guy named Adam Taylor, was assaulted by a group of men in the parking garage at 10th and Cherry. And um, it was brutal. And uh, it was the, these kids were playing a game called Knockout. And so Adam Taylor was just a, a regular, I mean, he may have been a college student at the time, but now he's the principal of Battle High School. And, um, but anyway, if it weren't for the surveillance cameras in that garage, um, those criminals would have never been found. You know what I mean? For the most part. And I, I think it was still hard to find them. But but I think that the, the gist of the system is that if Boone County Bank has a camera on their building and uh, Landmark Bank or Simmons Bank has a camera on their building and uh, another business has a, a camera on their building, basically the, with their permission of, of those building owners and those business owners, uh, that their surveillance can be shared onto a platform so that the police can uh, try to... Uh, trace sort of the back steps of, of something that, that happened that led up to a crime, I guess. Correct. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah, correct. They're, it's voluntary. On the, the camera owner, it's purely voluntary mm-hmm. to participate. And it really um, doesn't give the police anything that they weren't going to get anyway, for the most part. It's just mm-hmm. going to do it a lot faster and yeah. be more effective. Right. But privacy issues um, really kind of hate the police issues. Probably some more legitimate equity type issues. Um, some of uh, the the positions that the police have taken, you know, in terms of community policing, making it all come together with people who don't want to see this happen allows for a lot of arguments, most of them not very strong, but strong enough yeah. that at the end of the day, despite all of that support, uh, there were four council people who voted against it. And, and basically the city council told the city manager who was in favor of it and the police chief, uh, no, you know, you, you, you can't have it. So, you know, imagine uh, I've not spoken with Jeff Jones. Uh, I barely know Jeff Jones. I, I, I think of him as a, as a good person. We're not friends. We are acquaintances. But, you know, imagine being in his shoes right now and what you see happening in this community. Uh, we live in a community that is very permissive when it comes to drug use and drug abuse in this community. 
Uh, we live in a community where we are a prime target because we're on a major interstate between Kansas City and St. Louis. And the gangs in St. Louis and Kansas City look at Columbia, Missouri as easy pickings. All right. And it's a short drive away. They can get down here and commit a crime and be back home uh, within uh, a couple of hours. And, you know, and you think about all the odds that this police department has against him. He's trying everything he can to recruit police officers. Uh, he's but he's got a city council, his primary source of funding and support that that won't support him. And, you know, so is this part of a larger defund the police movement? I mean, do you see this as one small part of that? Yeah, I do. Uh, Defund the police has become a bit cliche, but there's no question that the people lining up against this would be the same people who believes we should be funding our paramilitary police units less and our social services to attack the root causes of crime, which are basically poverty, Mm -hmm. uh, and putting our money there. And uh, there is a really strong contingent of people in Colombia. Uh, certainly, it's a political entity that feels that's the direction we should be heading. But we're, we're already spending <clears throat> millions and millions and millions of dollars more on the fight against poverty than we are on police protection. And when you look at the Children's Services Fund, you look at the United Way, you look at the city's human ser- uh, human services funding, um, you, you look at uh, all of the private contributions main, being made by large employers in this community to social service causes, uh, we are literally spending millions and millions and millions of dollars with very little to show for it. Correct. There are, and there are still much, much needs that are out there. Um, it's that's what I, I would fix. Yeah, I know it's hard to you, you can't straddle this battle, which is what I do, is so I can report both sides. Yeah, um, obviously, I have my own feelings about it. I think Jeff Jones should have his tool, and you know, the <laughs> you know, on the same day, Monday, that this argument just was full scale for four hours in city hall with 50 people showed up to to talk for or against this what i thought was not even going to be any kind of a story this kid from mu was having uh, bullet fragments taken out of his shoulder that he got from a gunshot downtown walking with his mother on uh several weeks ago on homecoming friday and Jeff Jones still hasn't made an arrest in that yet. Mm-hmm. And he's just looking for some tools to help himself out. Yeah. And this seems pretty, it seemed pretty innocuous. And I didn't even report on it because I thought it was, I told somebody I thought it was a bigger story that we didn't have it already. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then the next thing you know, it blows into this major community divisive event. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think about the, the, the news story from Memphis from a couple of months ago. The young lady went jogging at 4.30 in the morning and was um, kidnapped, assaulted, and murdered. And, you know, they would have gotten nowhere in that case had it not been for uh, neighborhood, you know, ring doorbell, video footage camera, and other things that's kind of helped them track this down. So you see it's a very vital, vital tool uh, in fighting crime. We are visiting with uh, Mike Murphy, who is the publisher of Como Buzz. When we come back, we're going to jump in and talk a little bit more about what happened at Monday night's city council meeting and uh, the really the defund police movement that now exists in our community as well as some other things you should be worried about. All of that and more coming up on the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry. This is 93.9 The Eagle. Talk about the pit, barbecue.
the band was jumping, the people too high mess around. They're doing the mess around. They're doing the mess around. Everybody doing the Attention. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry visiting with Mike Murphy, the publisher of Como Buzz. That is C-O-M-O-B-U-Z dot com. Check it out. Uh, some great stories there. You know, one of the things, uh, just to kind of wrap up this story about the the cameras downtown, one of the things that I find very frustrating, and what and uh, Brandon Rather had on Chief Jones uh, earlier this week on the Eagle, and one of the things Chief Jones said is that the vast majority of businesses support it, but there were a few businesses that did not support this, and and you know I really, um, in some respects, that ought to be public record because there there ought to be a shame list out there of these businesses that don't want our police using. Surveillance. They want me to come into their restaurant and spend money. Uh, they want me to come into their retail shop and spend money. Uh, they want me to come into their bar uh, and and spend money. But they're not willing to let me. They're not willing to give the police the tools that they need to protect me while I'm downtown. I mean, this is going to hurt downtown Columbia. It's going to cause even more people to stay away from the mess that is becoming downtown Columbia. And and the city council is just digging a deeper and deeper hole uh, for our community. Yeah, I think uh, we become so social equity minded and for all the right reasons. And I feel a certain compassion and I actually have some respect for some of those council members. But when that becomes the priority and that's a decision they make and other things are less of a priority. Um, it's just the direction you head. I, I, I think a lot of us would agree that safety should be a top priority. Right. But, but that's not everybody thinks like that. Yeah. Um, voting no against the police department was first ward council person Pat Fowler, second ward council person Andrea Weiner. Fourth ward council, a uh, third ward council person, Roy Lovelady, and fourth ward council person, uh, Nick Foster. And so, um, you sort of see this anti police trend, uh, in our local government. That does not bode well for a community that wants to attract college students every year, that wants to attract people to come down and shop in their central business district uh, that wants to attract people to come and, and, and support restaurants and retail shops. Uh, this is not a good move. And they have this ideology that all police are bad. Um, that's going to kill our community. It really is. I think voters need to start paying attention. I'll take you back to the election. And we had this conversation. Um, Nick came to office in the fourth ward with a, he's a former Baptist pastor with very much of a equity platform mm-hmm. um as a known quantity say you know pretty much saying where he'd be coming from and then when we had the late election with roy lovelady we sat right here and talked if you remember at the time i wrote about it that that was going to swing this council to a, a four-person block of people led by pat fowler from the first ward who are very like-minded in their representation of our most um you know, our most unfortunate citizens, our poor people, uh, our people that are living very difficult lives and basically have no representation or seat at the table. Mm-hmm. They are very open and honest about that. And that's where they're coming from. And they have a 
huge and loyal constituency for the most part. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people get really angry at the council, and I understand why, but I like to walk them back to these elections and remind them that they should start paying attention because Roy was certainly a known quantity. He was open and very uh, upright about who who he was and what he was going to be, and we put him in office. Yeah. Uh, the story, the backstory on Roy is that apparently he got beat up by some Columbia cops, you know, allegedly got beat up by some Columbia cops one night, uh, in the <coughs> parking lot of his business. And, and, um, that has sort of fueled, uh, maybe his disdain for the police. Uh, I, you know, I, I really, I don't see the connection between, uh, having a safe community, uh, and having, there's a disconnect between a safe community and a community that is equitable. Uh, you can't have a strong police presence and still have, uh, what we, what they call equity in our community. That is a bunch of BS. You know what I mean? And it's just, uh, uh, we need, we are living in times where we need our police department to protect us, no matter where you live in this community. And so anyway, it's a, it's a sad day uh, for the citizens of, of Columbia. Uh, I hate to be so negative, but that's, uh, that's really, that's really what it boils down to. I want to talk a little bit about, um, and we were just talking about elections, but, uh, I have not had a chance to visit with you since the November 8th elections uh, earlier this month. And, uh, I just wanted to kind of get your quick analysis. Uh, first of all, were there any surprises no i don't think so um when they redistricted boone county uh the the numbers they were using that it was was it was 56 percent democrat mm-hmm. and uh the 44 percent uh republican and if you look at the countywide elections uh basically connie leopard for uh presiding commissioner and uh actually all not exactly all of the other three races, but very close. Um, Kip Kendrick won with fifty-six percent of the vote. It mm-hmm. looked it looked very much like uh, Connie needed and the other Republicans, Dustin Stanton for treasurer. Yeah, so I was trying to think of there. They they needed a lot of crossover. They needed people in their uh, social circuit, their their business network, uh, people who knew them. Or what I have been saying is people who, for a countywide administrative office, looks past the partisanship yeah. and chooses the candidate with the most experience or who would be the best fit yeah. for the job. But it doesn't look like that got taken into consideration at all. And all four Democrats got swept into office. Yeah. I, I used to tell people when I was elected to the county commission that um, uh, partisanship uh, ends on the day of the election. There is nothing about your job or your responsibility on a day to day basis that has any inkling of, of partisanship. And so, you, I mean, you you have to work with Democrats. You have to work with Republicans. You have to, you know, you. It's a small town we live in. We got to work together. So you say fifty six, fifty six percent Democrat. Is that county or city? That is county. County. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So uh, basically, it's just a straight ticket voter because uh, Connie's numbers mirrored what the yeah. percentage of Democrats were, and so, yeah. uh, and I mean, Kip Kendrick's numbers mirrored what uh, percent. Great candidates this time around. I mean, we really yeah. were blessed with some good candidates well, that's to choose from. What I found find a little bit distressing about it is, unlike all of the other, uh, pretty much any other elected position anywhere, those county I call them administrative jobs are really administrative jobs there's very little politics involved but yet Mm -hmm. they're being chosen based purely on politics yeah i think that's a little scary because that doesn't exactly lead to the best candidate getting the job so no your uh, question on the percentages uh what's revealing is uh 
in the city of Columbia precincts, they voted 63% for the Democrat candidate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in Boone County, outside of the city of Columbia, they voted for an identical 63% for the Republican candidate. Ah, so the, the uh, problem yeah. is there's 36,000 voters yeah. in the city of Columbia and only 18,000 voters in the rural area. Mm-hmm. So the Democrat candidates carried. Yeah, but it's almost a 100% flip of equal intensity between the city and the county. That's amazing. Um, when you look at sort of the the overall picture and sort of the way that things are currently split and just the the ideologies that are out there, uh, will it ever be possible? Uh, in the foreseeable future for a Republican to get elected in Boone County? Well, how I would answer that is, could you imagine a better candidate for county presiding commissioner than Connie Leopard? Yeah, no, or couldn't. Or could you imagine somebody who would be more likely to win a popular election than Dustin Stanton? Yeah. And neither one of them really, but they both lost by 8,000 votes. Mm-hmm. So right now, today, I wouldn't know how to... It's going to be curious to see who even bothers to run. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at John Martin, and I know that everything got re- redistributed. But, you know, John Martin was also an outstanding candidate and, you know, had some great resources before, you know. And, I, you know, they always say, well, you it takes money to win an election. Well, he had plenty of money, plenty of support from outside parties that he had no control over. But, but you know, even with all that outside support, he still couldn't get elected. And, I mean, he, he and Connie and Dustin uh, – you know, for sure, we're outstanding candidates. Yeah, I'd even flip it a little worse and get a little snarky. Is I don't know if anybody really would call they call Adrian Plank a really a pretty good guy and everything, mm-hmm. but I don't know if he's been called an outstanding candidate. Mm-hmm. But yet, the fourth ward of Columbia, which got redistricted into that forty seventh district, came mm-hmm. through strong, 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 yeah, and carried him right on in. And uh, so there's John Martin, a really good looking candidate who 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 carried sixty percent. Out in the county, but with Boone County, uh, with City of Columbia's fourth ward put in that district now, it's uh, it's a Democrat district. Yeah, you know I um, I, I hate to say this, but you know I I think that I'm not sure what's going to really evoke change in the way people think about their local governments, and and I I guess we need some more crime to sort of spill over into the the old Southwest. Um, I know that you don't like hearing that because that's where you live and I'm just across the street. But but it's one of those things that, um, you know, those people seem very comfortable uh, with fewer police officers and uh, fewer restrictions and and uh, letting hardened criminals uh, uh, get out of jail with no bail. Um, they seem to be very comfortable with those concepts because they're not really experiencing those crimes in their neighborhood. The, most of the crime is happening in one or two neighborhoods in this community. And um, so, you know, I guess maybe a little dose of reality might change somebody's mind. But, you know, we, we see it all the time. There are criminals every single day who should not be out of jail committing heinous murders and kidnapping and other other terrible things uh, because we have liberal prosecutors that, uh, for whatever reason, don't think that we should be keeping people in jail overnight. Uh, and we have organizations that are putting a lot of pressure on our city councils. And then we elect four city council people here in Columbia that are just very obviously defund the police. And so uh, hopefully somebody will reach out to them and, and, and give them an education. I want to shift gears and talk about something much more cheerful, and that's the city's utility problems. Um, man, I'm at home on Saturday afternoon, and the power goes out, and I live in the central part of Columbia, and 
usually the power goes out for maybe 30 seconds and it comes back on. Well, we waited and waited and waited and the power didn't come back on. And uh, it took an hour and a half before the power was restored. And, and uh, I called into the city doing my civic duty and I requested a phone call to let me know when the power was turned back on. Of course, the, the phone call never came. Uh, it's, there's a flaw in that system. Yeah. The maps uh, that show the outages were not working on the city's website. Um, maybe the city server was down because of the power outage, maybe. But, but the first thing I think is, oh, no, it's finally happened. Our, our grid has failed. Uh, have you heard any reason why the power was out for so long in Central Columbia on Saturday? No. <clears throat> you know, uh, you think the city would maybe hold a press conference and say, here's what happened. Yeah, they don't, they don't want to. Uh, when they have, you, they've got given different, different answers. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, everybody, uh, many, many, many people are noticing more and more and more shakiness with their electricity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the power out and... Uh, or flickers, things like that. Yeah. Uh, unstable amounts of flow for people who, who monitor who have equipment that require it. And all I do is just remind them that in 2016, so actually in 2015, the voters in Columbia approved uh, Water and Light, convinced them to approve $63 million worth of improvements. $63 million worth of, of improvements. Criti- critical improvements yeah. to the electrical grid. In what, what percentage of those have been done? Half. Half. So this is, uh, help me do the math here, that's six, seven years? Yeah. Okay. $30 million not spent since then, okay? And when when bonding was fairly cheap uh, back then, right? Right. I mean, it's, it's uh, so we're, it's going to cost us a lot more to do it now, I guess. Right. Yeah. And so, so you know, normally uh, we get uh, uh, something, a press release from the city saying, oh, it was a squirrel uh, that got into the transformer at Broadway and Garth. Or uh, somebody had a car accident on the business loop and knocked down a pole, and that's what. But nothing, not a peep out of City Hall about this hour and a half long power outage. You know, City Hall is a difficult place. It's it's understaffed. It's uh, unhappy workers. Um, there's a lot of people doing a doing yeoman's work and doing honorable jobs, but it's it's not getting any better. Mm-hmm. It, it, you you kind of would hope it would, but there's no reason for it to. They, they, have, they lack leadership, they lack expertise, they lack staff, and, and now in utilities, they're, they're, they've had this brain drain. They haven't sold bonds since 2015, so any capital improvements they have been making have come straight from rate payers, so they've had to scale those back too. Now they're having financial difficulties and cutting back on capital improvements. So we're in a period where I've been writing a ton about it, as you yeah, know. So yeah. it's not like it's not known, but the public at large just doesn't really realize how critical the situation really is. Let me uh, hold you on that thought. Uh, we are going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation about city utilities. Plus, we're going to talk about roll carts and uh, coming your way and uh, the Citizens Police Review Board in case you are lacking uh, any sense of humor in your life. Uh, this is Fred Perry. You're listening to the CEO Roundtable on 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show, Fred Perry. We have so many things to cover, and this is a problem when I have Mike Murphy on. Uh, we run out of time, and so we're going to do kind of a what I call a wild card session. I'm going to hit on as many topics as I can. Um, the um, uh, I'm going to put a bow on the uh, utility problem here in our city. we got a rate increase coming, correct? Yes, yes. And I guess the... Um, 
you know, this is a pretty significant responsibility. And I look at our current city council and I look at the kindness of decisions that they make and that they're very politically motivated. And it worries me that our city council, uh, is it possible for them to be good stewards, uh, when, as, with something as important as city utilities? They have ignored every recommendation from the professionals, from people who really know what they're talking about. They just simply ignore it. And Barbara Buffalo, our, our mayor, who I like as a person, tabled it. And, you know, we just can't keep kicking this can down the road. You know, we, we, we have $30 million that we haven't spent that's already been approved by voters. It's going to be much more expensive to take that $30 million now than it would have been six years ago. Um, so can we trust our city council to make good decisions? Will they listen to the experts? I don't know. I mean, the experts were telling them to buy this FUSA system, right? Yeah. So, you know, the city manager and the police chief were asking for it. They didn't even need that. It's not even coming out of taxpayers' money. They were using federal forfeiture money to buy it. Yeah. Um, you know, with any, the big holdup in the grid system is where to put a transmission line. Nobody wants it in their backyard. Mm-hmm. So it's going to open up a whole nother political argument. And no, I don't think they have the stomach to fight it. There seems to be a, a huge leadership vacuum, uh, in city hall. I, you know, I, I, I wish I had great hopes that because Barbara Buffalo had come from the ranks that she could lead that city council in a more productive way than she's been able to. She voted for the system. I should say that Betsy Peters voted for it and Matt Pitzer, who is outgoing, also voted for it. Uh, so, uh, but, and then I wonder about DeCarlin Seawood. Is he a strong enough leader to lead this council, uh, through making some tough decisions as for what, what's good for the, the long-term interests of the city, you know? Well, if you read what I've been writing pretty consistently for quite a while uh, now, I'm unfortunately finding very little evidence that that would be the case. So, DeCarlin is uh, see what is over his head. I would, is, if I read your writing, yeah, 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 that's what the evidence to me pretty much piles up as. Yeah. I see the same last night. You know, so many a, a, a good shrewd city manager gets in front of these problems and prevents the city council from having to deal with them to a certain degree. Yeah, and you know, it's just not happening over and over again. Yeah, I, l- I look at the way that Ray Beck led and Bill Watkins. And nobody liked it, but, um, um, you know, the city manager that we put, Mike Mathis, uh, you know, nobody liked him. They ran him out of town. Uh, but I, but I see the way they led. They had to make some unpopular choices, but they got things done. And so, you know, we, we've got to figure out, um, what we're going to do. Yeah. I think so too. I think pretty quickly. I, I think uh, I can tell you that a conversation that I hear frequently enough, particularly around utilities is because I spend a lot of time there because I think that's a real big percolating story mm-hmm. is the question gets asked, who's going to lead us out of this? Yeah. Uh, you don't see anybody in utilities. You don't see anybody in the city council. You don't see anybody in city hall. We don't, we're not hiring anybody. We just keep replacing with the sort of this mediocre attitude. And um, it's kind of hard. And the real, the real power in, in, in city hall now and city council is Pat Fowler. Mm-hmm. Pat Fowler's become the leader of that council based on how hard she works, how 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 she advocates for her causes and her constituents, and now and, she's and, got three and, like-minded. Yeah. Uh, and this is a, a lady that spends ninety percent of her time outside the city limits of Columbia. I mean, this is a woman who works in Kansas City throughout the week, comes back for city council meetings, and she's working harder than anybody else. Well, she's better prepared, uh, has uh, better questions, 
and uh, I feel like she has a very loyal constituency. She's representing, she represents them with a lot of heart and a lot of passion, and I think they respond. She's up for election in April. I can't imagine uh, her being seriously challenged. Mm. I think there's going to be, I'm sure somebody's trying to find, I'm sure police, fire are trying to find a candidate, but uh, so there she is now becoming a de facto leader based on her talents and skills, and she's got three like-minded uh, council people elected uh, she's, there's four votes right there. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, I've been talking about that for, for months now. Yeah, you have. It's, uh, I, I can tell you where we are going to talk about the, where to me now I'm predicting the next, um, so we're going to talk about the citizens, um, police, police review, review board, board. Yeah. Which is a disaster. Yeah. So they're putting that back together and I think they got some really good candidates. I sat and watched them do the interviews, but what's not being talked about yet is, the ordinance that runs that is it's very much of an uh, oversight advisory board to the police chief and it became even uh, less um, effective or authoritative with the senate bill uh, 26 i think it, it was um last summer that, that it was it was a police officer's bill of rights and it pretty much gutted what little bit of authority they had mm-hmm. And it's calling for and what a lot of this noise around that board has been is to rewrite the ordinance. And if you rewrite the ordinance, now you have the opportunity to uh, put more teeth in it and perhaps give them investigative powers of their own, perhaps give them subpoena powers. You can make it whatever you want within as long as it fits within the, the, the state laws. And, and, and uh, there's a there's a call for that. And people say, well, that, you know, we wouldn't want to do that in Columbia. That would just fully destroy our police department. And then I just say, uh, let's just take a look at those four votes from last night. Yeah, yeah, wow. Okay, a couple of things I want to hit on. Speaking of fire, um, the city uh, manager hired, uh, promoted uh, Clayton Farr to be Columbia's uh, fire chief. Uh, but because of uh, retirement plans and some documentation that he signed, he uh, is, is mandated that he has to leave his post. He has to retire officially from the city. Uh, and this is uh, this was a, a program that kind of helps enhance your retirement benefits. And, of course, no doubt Clayton Farr uh, being fire chief for the last few years of his career is going to really help his retirement quite a bit. Um, but he, when does he have to leave that position? So as it stands today, and this is one of the reasons why the firefighters were so up in arms, they haven't had a stable leadership in four or five years now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as it stands, because he's a participant in the, uh, they, the, they call it the drop, a deferred retirement pension option, mm-hmm. is uh, uh, you can freeze your pension and retire, or uh, freeze your pension as if you had retired and work up to five more years. And uh, your pension, your contribution and the city's contribution is put into a cash fund that you can collect then in a, in a lump sum payment at the end of those five years. The idea is to help retain talent that might otherwise leave. Mm-hmm. Seems to be a fine working program. Part of what you have to do, though, is when you sign up for the program, you put in a irrecoverable letter of resignation yeah. on, on at the end of the 60 months. Uh, Clayton Fars is May 1st, 2024. So we're going to go through this in, in just a little bit more than a year. We're going to begin this whole process of looking for a new fire chief. Well, Clayton Fars telling the news that he's going to be fire chief for five to six more years. So, and... Um, How does he do that? To Carl on Seawood is said words that are along the lines that he's going to try to find a way to enhance the pension uh, program so that it uh, makes retention of officers more uh, doable. And is it the city that controls the pension plan? Yeah, city ordinance. Okay. So he's going to need uh, a vote 
he's going to need four votes from the city council willing to change the city's pension ordinance, of which they just approved the drop program over again a few months ago. Now, what I'm understanding is city council has very little interest in doing this because think about that, the financial uh, uh, ramifications. And if right. you do it, you can't really do it for one person. You're going to yeah. have to do it for everybody. Every, every police officer. I mean, when you can retire, you know, at the age of 42 or 43, can you imagine the people that want to take advantage yeah, of that? Yeah. So where that's going to go, uh, it's being suggested to me that this is where Seawood might really be getting himself in trouble with the council is getting himself in a position that's just untenable. We'll we'll see. We'll see how they, they work their way out of it. Well, give us a quick and dirty on the homeless shelter that's proposed for Business Loop 70. Uh, they're uh, on the bowling estate uh, property. What's the latest that you've heard on that? The, this, the, the report that was written all summer, the Randy Cole led the uh, Columbia Housing Authority led report uh, they paid him seventy five grand in his his group to write this this big plan, and I've reported on that. The newspapers reported on that. That has the final touches that was submitted to the city, and city staff has put the final touches on it. It's my understanding that it's very little changes. It it, it stands as it's been submitted, and now that's going to be officially submitted at a work session to the city council on this, the second the second. Uh, uh, council meeting in December, which I think is the 19th, the 17th, whatever that Monday is. It's going to go back to council for a, a final look, and then it then it hits into the regular ordinance type the decision-making process. So even though the, the city has purchased the VFW building, uh, that won't suffice as a homeless shelter. Uh, we, we still need to be, build, is it an $18 million project right now? Yeah. Uh, we still need to build uh, 18 million. Now, it's, I guess it's up to 100 beds. It's not necessarily 100 beds, but it's up to 100 beds. Um, and... Um, so it's just a big band-aid that's that we're, we're going to spend $18 million yeah, on. That's where we're headed, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, unbelievable. Uh, Citizens um, Police Review Board, um, did we cover that? Yeah, I think what's happening there is it's been suspended. Uh, so there hasn't been, there was only like one appeal that made it to it last year. So they have a quorum ready in case they get an appeal they would meet. But because they were so dysfunctional, the council just suspended their meetings. But they've re, they've rekindled what used to be a very extensive training program for those members. Mm-hmm. And they're going to reinstitute that. They're doing that as we speak. They talked about that last night a little bit. This is just basic civility, I take it. Well, it's the history of the uh, board more... Uh, more along the lines of what their mission should be, uh, what what is expected of them, and try to get them more in in sync with each other. I don't think it's going to be effective yeah. because I think the politics of wanting to get to this more aggressive yeah uh, is another anti police defund police uh, type type movement that's taking over that process. I, I don't I want I want to talk about roll cards because that's very very important to our listeners. Uh, wh- where do you think we are on roll cards as of today? I think that on January third. They're going to suspend the the bag, the pay as you go program. Yeah, and the bags will go away. They'll continue to give them out for free till they're gone. But starting on January third, we'll go back to what we had prior to the pay as you go, which is basically you use your own bags. Yeah, and you take it out to the road. They can't weigh more than fifty pounds, and you can put out there as many as you want. Mm-hmm. As an interim, until they implement the the roll car program, which is going to take a while because. Uh, they have the money to do it. Buying the carts isn't that uh, big of a deal, but finding they need to buy 10 trucks. They're going to lease yeah. 10 new trucks. That's like $12 million, isn't it? I mean, have you seen a price tag on that? Yeah, I have. They're going to lease them. It depends how you do oh. the math. They're going to lease the trucks at about uh, uh, eight of them are sixty-five grand a year, if I remember, and the other two are fifty grand a year. I think it's $800,000 a year. Uh, for these leased trucks, but they're spending 1.1 million on bags, so it kind of washes. In fact, at the end of the day, the city says 
they're going to save a little money. They're going to transfer the cost of any bags to the citizens. Hmm. But basically, in, in the capital outlay for, for trucks, they have that, you know, stored up from some work that they didn't do. The problem is um, you can't just go buy these trucks. They have to be built. And in this day and age, they're, they're not sitting on a lot somewhere. Wow. So it's going to take them might be a year before they get that implemented. Yeah. Uh, I tell you, Mike, you are an absolute fountain of knowledge. Thank you for taking time out. Uh, we I just Folks, please check out Como Buzz, C-O-M-O dot B, uh, C-O-M-O. C-O-M-O-B-U-Z dot com. And uh, if you have the wherewithal, please, uh, even if you don't, please subscribe and uh, support this local journalism. It's the only decent reporting you're going to see uh, of any depth at all uh, in in uh, this this form uh, here in Columbia. So, Mike, Mike Murphy, thank you for your time. We thank appreciate you it very thank much. You. I'm Fred Perry. We'll be back next weekend with another edition of the CEO Roundtable. You've been listening to 93.9 The Eagle. This city is my city. And I love it Yeah, I love it